48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. The headlines. Protest groups pile pressure on Kari Lam ahead of a 5pm deadline for their demands to be met. Calls mount for an independent inquiry into the policing of last Wednesday's protests in Admiralty. And President Xi Jinping arrives in Pyongyang for talks. Joshua Wong, the Secretary General of Demosisto, is urging the Chief Executive Carrie Lam to respond before a 5pm deadline today, otherwise more protesters will gather in Admiralty. The deadline was set by groups including the Hong Kong Federation of Students, which want the government to scrap the extradition bill, investigate police action during last Wednesday's protests, stop classifying those clashes as a riot, and drop charges against protesters. Mr Wong says if Hong Kong had democratically elected lawmakers, no one would need to join any rallies. At least today, Carrie Lam should make certain statements to respond to certain requests. Otherwise, I am really worried about what will happen in the next few days. What I mean is, no matter police force or citizen, why they need to exist in Admiralty is all because of Carrie Lam and how the government ignore the voice of people. The Civil Human Rights Front has officially complained about the police response to last week's protest outside Lechco. The group says it held an authorised rally on Tim May Avenue, but police used tear gas indiscriminately without warning the organiser and giving people the chance to leave. It filed a complaint to the Complaints Against Police Office. Spokesman Lee Chuk Yan says the police commissioner should be held responsible. When there are two line of police squeezing on the people and firing tear gas from both sides and coming to the stage and also firing tear gas on the stage and getting everyone to panic and run into very narrow door but the police do not care about the life of the protester who are peacefully assembling there under a lawful permit the front says it will lodge the same complaint with the Independent Police Complaints Council, or IPCC, tomorrow. However, Mr Lee says an independent inquiry must be set up to look into the police's actions that day. He says the current system, under which the police's in-house complaints office investigates and hands its findings to the IPCC, does not work. We know that this whole you know, complaint system is very much a way that the police delay the whole investigation process because it will be the police officer investigating the police officer. So it's not really neutral and not really independent. We don't really have much faith in this system. But no matter what, you know, our complaint is also to show that if this system cannot respond to our complaint, then you know, the whole complaint system is useless. A former IPCC member backed calls for an independent inquiry into the policing of last Wednesday's protest. Kenneth Lung, a Professionals Guild lawmaker, says that the current system might not be the most efficient and effective way to handle a large-scale inquiry. IPCC may disagree with the finding of the capital. But I think, according to past statistics, the number of cases which IPCC found that the complaint office has mishandled the complaint is very, very small. And there is also a problem of finding the witness and evidence by the complainant against the police in such a very chaotic situation. And often, because of this lack of evidence or witness, the case could be classified as unsubstantiable. 
The Fire Services Department says it hasn't received any reports of a police officer taking an injured protester from an ambulance during clashes on Wednesday. The claim is being circulated on social media after a media site published a letter it said was from a paramedic. An FSD spokesman said it was looking into the matter. The ambulance's union said in such a situation it would ask police to follow them to hospital. There's been yet another protest outside the American consulate in Central, accusing the US of inciting violence and disorder in Hong Kong. It's the third such protest in two weeks, accusing the US of interfering over the extradition bill. Some 50 people gathered outside the consulate. One protester, a Ms Lee, said the US should respect Hong Kong's rule of law. In other news, police say there are suspicious circumstances surrounding the death of a one-year-old girl. She was brought unconscious to Tunmen Hospital at four o'clock this morning. President Xi Jinping has arrived in Pyongyang to meet leader Kim Jong-un. He's the first Chinese president to visit North Korea in 14 years. Mr Kim has visited China four times in the past year. Mr Xi is accompanied by his wife Peng Liuan, Foreign Minister Wang Yi and other officials. Katie Stellard-Blanchett is an Asia Programme Fellow at the Wilson Centre. I think the important background to understand as we watch this visit is how recently these men were not even speaking to each other. So for the first five years that Xi Jinping was in power, he didn't meet Kim Jong-un at all. And until very recently, he was actually backing the UN Security Council sanctions uh, in return for North Korea's nuclear program. So this is quite a belated discovery of this now uh, irreplaceable friendship between these two men. But I think they will put that to one side to send this signal to Donald Trump now that they are standing side by side, that they are now a joint force to be reckoned with. The government in New Zealand has launched a scheme to buy back semi-automatic guns, which were banned in response to the Christchurch mosque attacks. Ministers say more than 135 million US dollars has been set aside to compensate owners. New Zealand lawmakers voted in April to outlaw military-style semi-automatic firearms, along with parts that could be used to adapt lower-powered weapons. The US Federal Reserve has signalled it could cut interest rates in the coming months in order to keep the economy growing. President Trump has been calling for such a move. The central bank's policy-making committee left rates unchanged yesterday, but acknowledged there were uncertainties in the outlook for economic activity and inflation. Its chairman, Jerome Powell, said the failure to resolve trade disputes was start starting to have an impact. Growth indicators from around the world have disappointed on net raising concerns about the strength of the global economy. Apparent progress on trade turned to greater uncertainty, and our contacts in business and agriculture report heightened concerns over trade developments. The leader of a cult in the United States has been found guilty of racketeering, forced labor, sex trafficking, and child pornography. Keith Ranieri founded the organization Nexium, offering self-empowerment seminars but the court heard he coerced female members of the group into having sex with him, keeping some on starvation diets and even branding some with his initials. One of the prosecutors, Richard Donoghue, spoke outside court. Over the last seven weeks, this trial has revealed that Ranieri, who portrayed himself as a savant and a genius, was in fact a master manipulator, a con man, and the crime boss of a cult-like organization. The Trump administration has announced a new carbon emissions policy to replace more stringent regulations put forward by President Obama.
Experts say the affordable clean energy rule could give a new lease of life to ageing coal-fired power plants by encouraging them to use new technology to improve their efficiency. Environmentalists have instead called it the dirty energy plan. They say they'll challenge it in court. Meanwhile, President Trump's nominee for ambassador to the United Nations, Kelly Croft, has contradicted his stance on climate change. She told a confirmation hearing that global warming posed real risks to the planet and said all countries had to pull their weight to solve the problem. Human behaviour has contributed to the changing climate. Let there be no doubt. I will take this matter seriously and, if confirmed, I will be an advocate for all countries to do their part in addressing climate change. This does not mean, in my view, that the United States should imperil American jobs or our economy as a whole by assuming an outsized burden on behalf of the rest of the world. Scientists say the rate at which Himalayan glaciers are melting has doubled in recent years. Researchers at New York's Columbia University studied satellite images dating back to the 1970s, originally taken as part of a covert American spy program. They compared these with modern satellite images to track the way the glaciers shrunk. Joshua Moore led the research. He says the melting process could have a significant impact on people in South Asia. As the glaciers shrink, their contribution to river flows, seasonal contributions, will be reduced. And so this will affect the water supply for millions of people who live downstream. More arid regions, especially because during times when the monsoon is not active, the glaciers supply a significant portion of the water. The only Conservative Party leadership candidate to rule out Britain leaving the European Union without a deal has been eliminated from the race. Rory Stewart finished last in the latest round of voting by Conservative lawmakers. He explained how he felt after the vote. Disappointed because I think our country is at a moment of great crisis. Disappointed because the long-term future of our party and our country must be in the centre ground of politics. In the end, perhaps, some of the things I was saying, that a no-deal Brexit would be catastrophic or that you can't negotiate a new deal with Europe, probably proved to be truths that people weren't quite ready to hear. But I still think they're truths, and I'm still going to keep saying them. The former Foreign Secretary, Boris Johnson, consolidated his substantial lead over his three remaining rivals. Two further ballots tonight will yield two finalists who will submit to a vote of the entire Conservative Party membership to decide who Britain's next Prime Minister will be. British police have arrested a man in connection with the death of the Argentine football player Emiliano Sala in a plane crash in January. Here's the BBC's John Donison. For the past six months, Dorset police have been investigating whether there was any criminality involved in the death of Emiliano Sulla. Officers have now confirmed a 64-year-old man from North Yorkshire has been arrested on suspicion of manslaughter by an unlawful act. Police say he's assisting with inquiries and has been released from custody under investigation. No further details have been given, but detectives have asked the media not to speculate about the case. Emiliano Sala died when the small plane in which he was travelling crashed into the sea en route from the French city of Nantes to Wales just days after the player had signed for Cardiff City. To the markets a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 28501, 299 points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $49 billion. 
currencies, the US dollar trades at 107.61 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 12 cents. The pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 91 cents. Now to sport, here's Atom Chung. We start with football news. Luis Enrique has left his job as boss of Spain's national team. The president of the Spanish Football Association announced that the former Barcelona coach was walking away for personal reasons. His assistant, Robert Moreno, will take over. Spanish football writer Eduardo Alvarez says Enrique's departure doesn't come as a complete surprise. It was half expected because he hasn't been coaching the national team since March from the uh, qualifying match for the Euro 2020 against Malta. He decided to delegate in his uh, assistant, Roberto Moreno. And from again, from March until now, he hasn't been coaching Spain at all and not, neither training sessions nor official matches. Argentina faced an early exit from the Copa America after they failed to beat Paraguay in their latest match. Lionel Messi's second-half penalty salvaged a one-all draw for Argentina after Derlis Gonzalez opened scoring. Paraguay almost took the lead when Gonzalez missed a penalty shot shortly after Messi's equalizer. It was Argentina's first point in two games. They sit bottom in Group B. Colombia topped the group after beating Qatar 1-0 for their second win in two games. Now, there was another draw for Argentina in the Women's World Cup. They came from 3-0 down to level the score, knocking Scotland out with a twice-taken penalty in added time. Bonzagundo getting ready to retake the penalty. And this time she scores! Argentina have pulled it back. The penalty was retaken after Scotland keeper Lee Alexander came off her line to save the first shot. The match finished 3-3, meaning Argentina can still progress as one of the best third-place teams. Scotland started brilliantly and were up 3-0 entering the final 20 minutes. Their boss, Shelley Kerr, couldn't believe they're going home. Three goals that we conceded. Need to look at them, but the first one... When we're in control of the game, it's a free kick. Obviously the penalty decision, then the retake. So, yeah, I think right now we're all feeling hard done by. England won Group D after Ellen White scored twice in their 2-0 win over Japan. New Zealand have gone top of the table in the Cricket World Cup after beating South Africa by four wickets in Birmingham. South Africa's fourth defeat means they're all but out of contention. Later today, Australia faced Bangladesh at Trenbridge. A win for the Aussies will put them top of the table. They enter the contest level on points with England, one point back of New Zealand. And that's your look at sports. A reminder of our top story, protest groups pile pressure on Carrie Lam ahead of a 5pm deadline for their demands to be met. The news from RTHK. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, RTHK, Radio and a very good afternoon to you. It is a quarter past one. It is Thursday and I am not Noreen Mia. When I last looked on the back of my shirt, it says James Ross. 